this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode The United Nations Special Rapporteur on the Situation of Human Rights in Afghanistan, Richard Bennett, has spoken of the advancing erasure of women from public life under a new look Taliban regime. 23 million out of Afghanistan's 40 million people are in need of food assistance, she said in a recent statement. The United Nations Assistance Mission in Afghanistan or UNAMA as it is known, pointed out in a July report that 700 people have been killed and a little over 1400 wounded in the country since the Taliban takeover in August last year at least 160 instances of extrajudicial killings have been reported of former government and security officials and more than 120 media workers have faced arbitrary arrest or detention 80% of all women journalists have been fired from their jobs All secondary schools remain closed for girls. To discuss the situation in Afghanistan, I have with me Jain Prasad, former Indian ambassador to Kabul. Welcome to the In Focus podcast, Jain. Jain, uh, what do you make of uh, you know these findings uh, from UN bodies? Uh, what kind of a picture does it paint for you about a country which you've known well and you've been uh, ambassador in very troubled times? Amit, I'm glad that UNAMA, which has been accused by the Afghan opposition of being very soft on the Taliban regime, that they have come out with a report on the 10-month performance of the Taliban regime since it took power on the 15th of August last year, right up to the middle of June. So that report shows two, three things. One is that civilian casualties have been reduced but are still i think high because the taliban takes great pride in saying that they are going to enforce law and order and they are going to completely eradicate any killings in afghanistan but the total number of casualties reported in the unama report is 2106 and what is disquieting for india especially is that there are increased instances of attack by the islamic state of iraq and the levant the khorasan chapter of it because it is generally against the shia community but the karte parwan gurdwara in kabul has been repeatedly attacked and in the past several Sikh worshippers and granthis have been killed in those attacks and even yesterday there was a bomb blast in the vicinity of the gurdwara you mentioned the erosion of women's rights i think three things have happened one is that there is no schooling for girls after grade 6 second there is a decree by the taliban for full head covering with only the eyes showing and for women to be escorted at all times by their male relatives when they come out of their homes and finally it is the obliteration of women from public life from state institutions government offices there are very few women working as nurses and doctors but besides them 
women are completely out of the job market the regular job market they are working in agriculture and in medical institutions so in public life of course they are completely absent you recall that a few weeks ago there was a jirgao of 3000 scholars and there was not one woman they could call amongst them so richard bennett the new special rapporteur for afghanistan appointed by the human rights council he visited kabul for the first time in may and then in effect he hints at gross flagrant and systematic violations of human rights and fundamental freedoms and that is certainly disturbing amit jant you know uh, you know looking at the larger picture you know some months ago when you spoke to us in the in focus podcast uh, you know we we were discussing what kind of a regime the taliban would produce you know we, we spent quite a long time discussing that but it's clear now that the fundamentals of taliban 2.0 don't appear to be very different from taliban 1.0 especially for women you are absolutely right actually it's a mistake to say that the taliban will be any different this time around compared to between 1996 and 2001 you see there are voices within the taliban seeking some moderation and some accommodation especially in respect of the right of girls to go to school and surprisingly these elements include quite strong leaders like the defense minister mulla yaqub who is the son of mulla umar or even the interior minister khalifa siraj hikani from whom you wouldn't expect this kind of attitude he hasn't spoken publicly which mulla yaqub has but from our interaction with afghan friends i know that this is the view that khalifa siraj shares with mulla yaqub but my assessment is the same as yours which is that these younger elements will not be able to get either the taliban collective leadership or the taliban rank and file to deviate from its ideological moorings because let's not forget that taliban is an ideological group it is not a normal political party in that sense Jent, you know one of the other things that uh, Richard Bennett points out in his statement is that there are increasing reports of parents uh, resorting to child marriage for their children. You know this is seen as a survival tactic, and uh, you know there is a tremendous food insecurity clearly in the country. So does this mean that the international community does it have any meaningful role uh, to play in the humanitarian situation in Afghanistan and also to ensure the equitable distribution by gender also of uh, you know whatever assistance is coming in I don't think enough is being done although I find that the less said about the united states the better because the us administration basically turned its back on the afghans and their commitment to human rights and women's rights is now questionable but the europeans are quite united on this and they say that for them to resume their normal development activity 
they would want the afghan regime the taliban regime to mend their ways so uh, one thing that i noticed that richard bennett did not speak about he spoke about young marriages and people giving away their daughters under duress sometimes but he didn't speak about for example the rampant and growing trade in human organs because people are donating their blood and their organs to collect money to survive and that is frightful to say the least and there are also reports which bennett didn't speak about and the unama report doesn't speak about it either because all through may and june i track the social media only to keep in touch with what's happening in afghanistan and i have found that there were several reports some of them quite credible by credible people about selective afghan taliban action against the hazara community in two specific areas one was sare jungle in ghor province and the other in belkhab district of sarepul province but nobody talks about all this so jayant you know you mentioned the role of the united states i think it's quite clear that you know all the commitments that were apparently given by the taliban in public they're pretty savvy at the media game now and that they demonstrated uh, you know even when the talks were going on in doha so in a sense uh, while you rightly point out the distinction between the united states and the european union but essentially the people of afghanistan have been left to the mercy of the taliban absolutely and although the lack of inclusiveness in governance is going to tell in the long term in the short term i don't see a serious threat to the taliban regime so essentially what you're saying is that the people in living in afghanistan have basically to deal with the taliban as their masters that is what they are doing incidentally in tashkent for the first time ever in the last 11 months there was on 26th of july a meeting of you could call it an international forum which is fairly representative because india attended besides many eu countries and china and russia and the united states and of course iran and turkey and all of afghanistan's neighbors especially the neighbors to the north of the ambu darya so this was significant but the outcome was somewhat disappointing firstly there was no joint statement but the uzbeks did put out a sense of the meeting a kind of summing up or the chairman summary or whatever you call it so they spoke about the commitment of the participants to improve the social economic conditions of the afghans and restoring the afghan national economy but they made no pledges and they did not spell out how they intend to go about this the positive thing uh, amit is that they underlined the statement of mutaki of severing ties between the taliban and various terrorist groups 
and they also stress the importance of the commitment by the Taliban regime to form an inclusive government based on and what they is this is within quotes broad representation but i didn't find in the taliban statement or any other statement any acknowledgement by from kabul or in tashkent about inclusiveness and broad representation and then i'll tell you the most positive thing from the indian standpoint is the uzbek summing up of the need for close coordination of the international efforts i think that's important jent i wanted to ask you about the indian position uh, you know just like everyone else uh, india was in a difficult uh, situation you know post the takeover of the taliban whether you should engage or not engage uh, how do you know almost a year down the line how, how do you assess uh, what india has uh, done and what india has said about the taliban and afghanistan I'll put this in a summary form, but especially underlining what we have done in recent months or recent weeks, rather. But there are some components of India's reaction to what happened. The first principle that we follow is to provide the Afghan people humanitarian assistance. and the second of course is related to our security that to ensure that afghan territory is not used to spread radicalism or terrorism then we have a far more general but ambitious objective of preserving the social and economic gains made over the past two decades in afghanistan to which we made a significant contribution i would say but whether this or the establishment of inclusive governance with the representation of women and minorities i think we have failed in that or are not likely to succeed in that then we want the united nations to play an important role in implementing the unsc resolutions on afghanistan and to as i underlined earlier to have a unified international response to the current situation there so these are the general principles on the basis of which we have constructed some policy but this policy in effect boils down to engagement with the taliban regime without formal recognition of the afghan present afghan government and begin humanitarian assistance so we began that with 50000 tons of wheat going via the surface route through pakistan which pakistan would never have responded to us positively but we told the afghans we told the taliban regime that if they were interested in getting this wheat they better persuade pakistan so they told pakistan that if you consider yourself a friend of the afghan people then you better allow the indians to send the wheat across so in the past two months what we have done is out of the promised 50000 tons we have supplied 40000 tons and it's been a huge effort because truck convoys of between 40 to 80 go from the punjab all the way to jalalabad carrying this grain and the further distribution is taken care of by the world food program and since flights have resumed between 
there is a weekly flight from Kabul to Delhi. So we have been using these flights to airlift medical supplies. So 28 tons of medicines have been sent to Afghanistan so far. And then the third thing we have done is that a few weeks ago, we opened a small and effective liaison office in Kabul to coordinate the supply of the humanitarian assistance that is going from India. And we did this because we received for a long time positive signals from the Taliban regime that evinced interest in engaging with India. So we decided, or rather the government of India decided that India's engagement should be resumed in a more people-centric way. So that is where we are at present. Jen, picking up from that point you made on the people-centric issue and the earlier reference you made to the attacks on the Gurdwara in Kabul, you know, post one of the attacks, I saw some complaints uh, from the Sikh community in Afghanistan saying there had been delay in the issuing issuing of visas for them to travel to India. What's your, uh, what, what, what's your sense about that? Amit, this is a difficult issue because government of India took the extreme step of annulling all the existing visas the moment the Taliban took over. And many Afghan medical patients who came to India and had for example, one or two chemo sessions out of five or six prescribed. They were stranded in Afghanistan all these months. So the Sikh and Hindu visas have been issued, but visas for Afghans to come to India or Afghans who feel that their life is threatened by the Taliban regime, they have not been able to travel to India, nor have Afghan students studying in Indian educational institutions been able to come to India. But my sense is that now that we have a liaison office in Kabul, slowly the visa regime will ease and Afghans will begin to travel to India. After all, we took this decision some weeks ago of resuming or permitting Afghan private carriers to fly to Delhi. How will they fly if there are no passengers? So I believe and I hope that the visa policy will become a little more reflective of our engagement with the Afghan people, which existed in the last 20 years. Jen, before I let you go, I know this is a vast area, but I want to ask you about the policy of two countries, uh, you know, towards Afghanistan and, you know, their key countries, which is why I want to ask you. First, do you see any change in attitude of the government of Pakistan towards the Taliban and Afghanistan? And B, another country which you know well, that is Iran. What is their attitude and approach to both, again, the Taliban and Afghanistan? I'll take the second question first because the Iranian approach is quite similar to the Indian approach, except that Iran hosts a lot of Afghan refugees, which we don't do. Their burden is now more than a million Afghans. But after the changes in Kabul, the Iranians were the first ones to speak up about representation of the people and about excesses against former 
officials and members of the Afghan security forces. But lately, they have not said much on this. And they are interacting with the Taliban regime in the same manner, or even, if I can say, more intensively than India is. But about Pakistan, I would say that they have been caught in a conundrum because they had very clear objectives in Afghanistan. They wanted to reduce India's imprint in Afghanistan. They wanted to remove India's presence. And if that was not possible, to reduce our footprint. Secondly, they wanted the Taliban regime to take action against the TTP. But the Taliban regime, instead of doing that, has done exactly what Pakistan did vis-a-vis the United States. It offered to get the TTP on the negotiating table. And the talks, several rounds of it, were held in Kabul. And the Pakistanis have climbed down from their demands that the TTP return to Pakistan and surrender their arms and join the mainstream. The third objective is to settle the Durand line. Now, Pakistan tried for five years to settle it between 96 and 2001, and they could not. And since the Taliban took over, there have been several violent firefights between Afghan and Pakistan forces on the Durand Line, where Pakistan wants to complete construction of a fence, which the Afghans oppose. Because the Afghan Pashtuns, especially those who back the present Taliban regime in Afghanistan, that particular community has a strong historic belief that the Durand Line was imposed on Afghanistan and that entire territory of PK, Pakhtun, Pakhtunistan and Wana belongs up to the river Indus, right from the Durand Line to Afghanistan. So that's not going to happen. And the final objective of Pakistan, on which we are very watchful, is to use Afghan soil to train terrorists for operations against India. And there again, Pakistan so far has not had notable success. Jain Prasad, thank you very much uh, for giving us an update on your views and on what's happening in Afghanistan and the regional play of countries. Thank you again. Thank you, Amit. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for talking to the Hindus in Focus podcast, Jain. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.